This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with a ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric. Been a couple of weeks. Happy to be back with you. And I will get you caught up on the latest Fighting Illini Athletics news. Some of the spring sports getting going. Got softball, baseball to update you on. There was some football news uh, when we last convened. It was right around National Signing Day, the, the normal signing day, which is when most players don't sign now. But there <laughs> uh, been quite a few personnel moves on the football end. It'll get you caught up there if you missed anything. But mostly we're talking hoops. Busy weeks for men's and women's basketball. A terrific win. A program win for Shauna Green on Monday afternoon. And, of course, Brad Underwood and the men's side with a successful week as well. Plenty to dive into as there were still some late game execution issues. Before that, Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Liddyville is a clothing and accessory retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of product, creativity, and cultural understanding. You can purchase officially licensed Illinois merchandise at liddyville.com. By doing so, you are supporting Fighting Illini athletes, but also University of Illinois alumni organizations and charities. So place an order today at Liddyville.com. That's L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Let's hop into the football news because there was quite a bit of it the past couple of weeks. We know Brett Bielema had relieved two coaches of their duties Antonio Finellis was fired as defensive backs coach, and Andy Boo had been let go as linebackers coach. Those moves happened in January, but we entered February not really having answers to those questions. Brett Bielema was kind of pitter-pattering around that, saying that there were some imminent moves and there were some that were in a holding pattern. We have some answers now. Some of those blanks have been filled in. Let's start on the defensive side. Illinois' new linebackers coach is Archie McDaniel. He replaces Andy Boo, who I mentioned was fired back in January. McDaniel, a Texas native, previously served in that same capacity, linebackers coach for Houston in 2023. So... Always helpful to have those inroads with the state of Texas. That could be a huge recruiting move moving forward. And Justin Stepp has been hired as the Illini's new wide receiver coach. He is formerly of South Carolina and Arkansas, where he was the same positional coach at those two schools. 
He is taking the place of George McDonald. He left to take a job on the Ole Miss staff. He's going to be their new wide receivers coach. I think they're passing game coordinator as well, something like that. So he's going to move on to the SEC. George McDonald leaving his alma mater. But Justin Stepp, very highly regarded. If you've watched South Carolina, they haven't had the wins and losses, but that wide receiver group was among the more productive units in the SEC. Certainly the strength of that team. So I think he's going to help with a budding wide receiver room. Isaiah Williams is gone. Casey Washington is gone. There's a lot of promising young talent at the wide receiver position. You just have to try to nurture them and get the most out of that position. A lot of exciting talent. You know, Canary Wilcher, Malik Elzey, Ashton Hollins, just to name a few. Uh, and then you've got Pat Bryant coming back in. That is certainly a position group to watch as we get closer to spring camp. So Andy Boo and Antonio Finellas get fired. George McDonald leaves to go to Ole Miss. And then Charlie Bullen departs to go back to the NFL. So four assistant coaching openings. Well, let's talk about some, some better things. Let's talk about some accolades. And that would be that six former Illini have been invited to the NFL Combine. Not really any surprises on this list. You've got the law firm, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton on the defensive line. Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams on the O-line, and then Tip Ryman, former Illinois tight end, and wide receiver Isaiah Williams. Again, all Big Ten players, when you're looking at Newton, Randolph, Williams, Isaiah Williams, an All-American, Johnny Newton, an All-American. So we, we expect those names to be there. We're expecting Johnny Newton to hear his name called very, very early in April's drafts. Keith Randolph, probably in that day two picture, maybe a, a second round, third round choice. Isaiah Williams, not really sure. Isaiah Adams, probably a day three guy, maybe fifth, sixth round. Not sure where Julian Pearl fits in, but goes back to what we've seen in the past with Brett Bielema coached teams. Countless offensive linemen that are now in the NFL that were under Brett Bielema's wing uh, at Wisconsin and Arkansas and now Illinois. So, you know, Illinois is trying to build up that profile as well. I think Isaiah Adams will surely get drafted probably sometime late. Julian Pearl, maybe a bit of a long shot. Maybe not as likely to get picked, but a versatile player, veteran, good voice in the locker room, spent a lot of time at Illinois, you know, was part of the good times and the, uh, the not-so-good times. And then Tip Ryman, you know, the tight end spot is weird because we know he's not, a, he's not a Gronk type or a Kelsey type, a Mark Andrews. He's not a guy that's going to catch... 80, 90, 100 balls a season. But, you know, good red zone threat, good blocker. There's room for guys like that in the pros. I don't know if he's going to get drafted. 
I don't think so. Just if I had to guess, I would say no. But that's what the combine is for. It helps show your skills, show your measurables. Yeah, some people jokingly call it the underwear Olympics. <laughs> and a lot of the higher profile players will skip it and just do the school's pro day. You know, does Caleb Williams need to go to the combine? I don't think he does. But for other guys, it's an opportunity. It's a chance to get your foot in the door, get seen, get evaluated, and maybe land on a roster. If not in the draft, certainly as a priority free agent. Illinois has had a great deal of success the last couple of years um, with the draft, but also those priority free agents. You know, guys landing on NFL rosters. Look at Tommy DeVito. Not a guy who was projected to do very much, but landed on the Giants practice squad and wound up starting you know, half the season for them. And now he could be a, a part of their future plans. So you just never know. So the combine is always a great opportunity. Congrats to those guys. Again, Isaiah Adams, Julian Pearl, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Isaiah Williams, and Tip Ryman. We'll be seeing them in Indianapolis here in the next few weeks. You can read more about that at thechampagneroom.com as well. And one last football update. We did find out about the Illinois spring game. Last year's game was canceled due to inclement weather. It wound up being just kind of like an invited scrimmage, not so much a game. But April 20th is going to be the date of the Illinois spring football game. So, you know, if you've got football on the brain and you're looking forward to seeing those guys in action, April 20th is going to be your first chance to do that with the Illinois spring football game. Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. You can purchase officially licensed Fighting Illini merchandise at liddyville.com, including the signed family embroidered snapback hats signed by members of the men's basketball team. Find out more and place an order at liddyville.com. Again, L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Speaking of men's basketball, been a lot of chatter about Brad Underwood and the late game management recently. You know, we saw... Nebraska, where they went on the 11-1 run to force overtime before Illinois wound up winning. And then people were kvetching about the loss to Michigan State. Michigan State scored 24 points in the last four minutes. And, oh, my God, Illinois can't close out games, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I tried to work myself up and get myself angry about that Michigan State game, and I just, I really couldn't. There were some late-game execution issues, and it coincided with back-to-back -back games, so it amplified those concerns. But I think people were, and even some of us at the Champagne Room, were like, this is a terrible loss. And it's like, Michigan State's not a bad team. They're not great. They're not elites. They may not be a championship-level team, but they're not bad. Like they're going to be in the tournament. The committee will put Michigan State in the tournament. If they're fourth or fifth in the Big Ten with the schedule that they play, they're going to get in. 
They're not as great as we have seen them be in years past, but that's not some horrendously bad loss. It was in East Lansing. So you're on the road. I think Illinois was like a three point underdog in that game. So like you weren't expected to win that game. It's just the way it ended left some sour tastes in fans mouths. But I was telling some of my cohorts at the champagne room, like, look, just don't screw the pooch against these next two teams and everything will be fine. And I, I think everything is fine right now. Illinois responded from that disappointing second half effort against Michigan State, that disappointing last five minutes, really. They went back home to Champaign and absolutely dismantled Michigan. 97 to 68. Illini's eighth consecutive win versus Michigan. Jawan Howard 0 for 8 in his career versus Brad Underwood. Illinois really exploded towards the end of the second half. That was a pretty tight game. And then TSJ took over. Illinois went on a 20 to 6 run to take an 18 point lead into halftime. Terrence Shannon scored 15 of those 20 points. And he just went crazy towards the end of that first half. And Illinois just did not relent after that, which is what you would expect them to do against a bad team. Michigan State, not bad. Michigan, V bad. Worst team in the Big Ten. That's a game where if those woes continued... You, you take a step back and you're, you're really, really concerned. So I guess that's why I was not as worried because, yeah, you played Nebraska, you played Michigan State. Those are two tournament caliber teams. Michigan ain't that. Michigan is terrible. Shot 56% for the game, including 48% from three. Illinois 12 out of 25 from long range. Said TSJ had 31 points, 11 of 15 from the field, 5 for 8 from 3. Coleman Hawkins had 17 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Michigan trailed by as much as 37 in the second half. We saw the walk-ons come in the game at the end. A.J. Red, Max Williams getting his, I think his first collegiate points. Certainly his first points at Illinois. So, yeah, Illinois did what they ought to do against a pitiful Michigan team. I hope they never fire Jawan Howard. I hope he stays in Ann Arbor forever. <laughs> and that game was a, a palate cleanser because, again, people were ticked off about Michigan State and Nebraska, the way those games ended. So no drama. And Illinois took that momentum into Maryland, which as we know, that has been a trouble spot, just a trouble team for Illinois. Maryland beats Illinois in Champaign a couple of weeks back. Again, you're on the road. Illinois had struggled historically versus Maryland, at least since the Terps joined the Big Ten. Illinois had not won 
at Maryland since, I think, 2011. Nice job by Fox to show the Sam Maniscalco highlights. (laughs) And the gigantic shorts. Robbie Hummel was talking about that, that everyone wore like size 55 shorts back then. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. And now they look really silly. Uh, But that was the last time. And, uh, oh, they were wearing the blue uniforms, by the way, as well. Just pointed that out, too. So Illinois goes to Maryland, and they avenge the loss in Champaign. Illini, 85. Terrapins, 80. Terrence Shannon Jr., again, just going nuts. Finished with 27 points. Was 14 of 16 from the stripe. Marcus Damask. 19 and 12 winds up eclipsing 2,000 career points in this game. Coleman Hawkins, 14 points and seven rebounds. But there were some weird moments in this game, particularly at the end. But I'll, I'll go back to in the first half. Kevin Willard is standing on the floor. This is part of what's been talked about a lot this year in college basketball coaches standing on the floor interfering with the flow of the game there was a pass that was overshot that was intended for Terrence Shannon Jr. and Kevin Willard is on the floor he catches the basketball he's got one foot inbounds one foot out of bounds and then like Illinois didn't get the ball back (laughs) they ruled it like a dead ball and Maryland got it just weird that was a Ref show extraordinaire Saturday. My God. It was like, felt like there was 75 fouls called in that game. Maryland had four players with four fouls. I think Illinois had a couple with four fouls. It was a free throw festival. It was a ref show. Illinois um, was able to emerge from that. I know Kevin Willard was complaining about the free throw disparity, which to some degree I get because you're at home and you think that, you know, it's at least going to be tilted slightly towards you with the home court. Yeah, just really bogged down the pace of the game at times. Uh, But I think the most important play of the game came with, uh, I forget, uh, four minutes or so left. Illinois had gone on like an extended scoring drought. Maryland was kind of chipping away at Illinois' lead. I think the Illini led by nine or 10, and it had gotten cut down to like four or five. And there was a really wacky play. Hawkins threw this behind the back pass, like over his head, like wasn't looking at anybody, just was trying to bail out the play. So he threw it behind his head. And Jameer Young intercepted it for Maryland. Damask contests the layup. Young misses the layup. Harmon rebounds it and then fires it to Hawkins, who dunks it in and gets an and one. And I think Benetti was like, who needs transition defense when you just stay back? <laughs> like, obviously, that wasn't the intent of it, but that was, I think, the big swing in the game. That was where Illinois regained control, got their bearings back because Jameer Young was having another crazy game. Jameer Young versus Illinois is like Pete Maravich. (laughs) He just 
plays extremely well against Illinois, always has like the best game of his life. And that layup, I think, would have cut the deficit to like three or two. And so Illinois able to grab the momentum back, finish the job. They closed out the game at the foul line. Like we've talked about Brad Underwood's late game practices, questionable timeouts, weird game management stuff. Kevin Willard had a lot of that going on on Saturday as well. Maryland's down four with about 30 seconds left, and Kevin Willard decides not to foul and try to extend the game. You know, maybe Illinois misses some free throws, and it's not like Maryland's a great shooting team. They're like 28% from three. So it's not like you've got an Alfonso Plummer out there who's a a gunner, a three-point specialist that you can trust. So that was very, very questionable. We were talking about it at the Champagne Room in our group chat. Like, what the hell's he doing? Like, it seemed like a very stupid thing to do. And then they wound up fouling anyway. So they don't foul initially. Illinois gets to dribble like 20 seconds off the clock, and then they foul on a shot attempt. So it's like you waited 20 seconds, and then... You still fouled, so now you have less time, and now you're trailing by more points. It, it was a head-scratcher for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know what Kevin Willard was thinking there. But nonetheless, Illinois gets the W. Illini now 19-6 and overall, 10-4 and in the Big Ten. And Purdue lost to Ohio State on Sunday. Lost to the second-worst team in the Big Ten. So now Illinois is right back in it. They're a game back of Purdue with six games left, including another head-to-head matchup with Purdue. There's a really good article at the Champagne Room. I don't like the term control your own destiny because you don't control destiny. Destiny's predetermined. But the logic is the same, that Illinois can help themselves in a big way. They have a chance to win out They have six games left. Penn State is up next. So I'll get to the the rest of the schedule momentarily. But Penn State's next. On the road, again, Penn State's a team that's given Illinois a hard time in the past. Right now, the Nittany Lions are tied for 11th in the Big Ten at 6-9. and They are better at home. They're 10-4 overall. But they're allowing 77 points per game in Big Ten play. They just got shredded by Nebraska on the road the other night. So Penn State is 13th in field goal percentage defense. Opponents are shooting 47.5% against them. And Illinois in Big Ten play is scoring 83 points per game. So on paper, it looks like Illinois is going to win this game. Kanye Clary, Penn State's leading scorer, also no longer with the team. He's left the program. So there's 17 points per game, three rebounds per game, three assists per game that you're not going to have. I would expect to see a lot more of Ace Baldwin. He's going to be the the next guy. You would suspect that would work in Illinois' favor, that the opposing team's best player is not going to be around. 
And oh, by the way, they weren't that good to begin with. So you would think that that would be helpful for Illinois. But as we saw with Ohio State, it was their first game with an interim coach and they beat Purdue. So not going to rule it out entirely, but all signs are pointing to Illinois winning that game. So that game is Wednesday night on BTN. And I'll look ahead here to the rest of the schedule. After Penn State, Illinois is home against Iowa and Minnesota back-to-back. Should win those games on your home floor. Then you travel to Wisconsin. You return home for Purdue. And then you're at Iowa to end the season. So at Penn State, home for Iowa, home for Minnesota, at Wisconsin, home to Purdue, at Iowa. Illinois is going to be favored to win four of those six games. They won't be favored to beat Purdue because it's Purdue. They're the number two team in the country, or they'll be top five even with that loss to Ohio State probably. Uh, They won't be favored at Wisconsin. I said, Illinois is going to be favored to win four out of those last six games. And they can win all six. Do I think Illinois is going to end up winning the Big Ten? I don't. But at the start of the year, if you told me Illinois was going to be a 23 or 24 win team and they'd be second in the Big Ten, I'll take that. I have no issue with that. Even if they win those four games they're supposed to win, that puts them at 23 and 8 and 14 and 6 in the Big Ten. I'm not going to quibble about that. Some fans will moan and groan about it, but look, the way I look at this, if your whole philosophy is that every loss is terrible, every loss is awful, then you should stop watching sports. You should stop watching sports. We overreacted like crazy about losing to Michigan State. It wasn't a bad loss. Illinois got one bad loss on their season so far, and that was Maryland beating them in Champaign. I think Illinois is going to be fine. So lots of recap stuff, lots of articles. Our own brand Dolce has a good one. Uh, Kyle Tausk has a good one. Check them out at thechampagneroom.com and get your Illinois hoops fix. Sticking with hoops, let's look at Shauna Green and the women's team's week in review. Started with an upset over Penn State Thursday night, 86-71. Illinois, a very complete offensive day. Shot 54% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. And as we've seen so many times, it was a group effort. And that effort was led by Adalia McKenzie on Thursday night. She had 18 points on 8 of 11 shooting. Kendall Bostic added another double-double, 17 points and 10 boards. Genesis Bryant, 13 points. She was 3 of 6 from the perimeter. Five assists as well. Makaira Cook, 16 points, but had eight of those points from the foul line. And Gretchen Dolan really emerging as that sixth woman off the bench. 18 minutes as a reserve. She had 11 points and three of five shooting from three. Conversely, Penn State, 39.7% for the game, just 28.6% from three-point distance. They're one of the better shooting teams in the Big Ten, specifically from three. They're about 38 39% on the year. 
So Illinois really did a good job of limiting those opportunities. Penn State shooting just 8 for 28 in that contest. They're playing better basketball. They've been getting very close to resembling that squad we saw at times last year. And Monday, President's Day, got to watch them on national TV. It was a 1 o'clock tip-off on Fox. And Illinois pulling off one of the signature wins of the Shauna Green era. An 86-66 win against IU. Been well-documented. Illinois had struggled against Indiana historically. This win snapped a 16-game losing streak to the Hoosiers. And for IU, everything starts with Mackenzie Holmes. She was on fire in the first half, and then she got into some foul trouble. Illinois really did a good job of neutralizing her in the second half. But we've talked about starting and finishing games. That's been a major issue for Shauna Green's club this year. Illinois led 18-17 to after the first quarter, and they exploded in the second quarter. They went on an 18-4 to run to push their lead to 16 at the half, led 44-28, to had 32 points in the paint in the first half. They had a focus. That focus was to attack the rim. They were driving to the basket with intent, and they also played outstanding perimeter defense. Hoosiers have a couple of really good three-point shooters. Sarah Scalia and uh, Yarden Garzon weren't much of a factor at all. Indiana did have a bit of a run to start the second half where they cut the lead down to eight. Illinois was able to bounce back each time. You know, they punched back and were able to extend that lead and ultimately win by 20 points. A great effort. Really fun to see that, especially on a nationally televised stage. It was a really fun game to watch. Illinois shot 61% in the first half, wound up shooting 52.5% for the game. Only four of nine from three-point range. Again, they stayed in the paint. IU was not able to really close off the paint very much in that second half. Makaira Cook was outstanding, 22 points, was 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Genesis Bryant, 15 points, including 4 of 4 from the line. Adalia McKenzie scored 14. Kendall Bostic, another double-double for her, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Camille Hobby with 12, and Gretchen Dolan with 11 off the bench. Six players for Shauna Green. The starting five... Cook, Bryant, McKenzie, Bostic, and Hobby, and then Gretchen Dolan off the bench. That's it. Saw six players take the floor. All six players registering double-digit points. Again, I've mentioned this before. I don't think that's a trend you want to really get into where you're playing six or seven people. Ideally, you'd want to you know bring in that bench, especially with a big lead like Illinois had for most of this game. Probably could have gotten some other minutes there, but... It worked in this particular case. And I said a little bit ago, this program was in search of a signature win. Had one last January, beating Caitlin Clark and Iowa in Champaign. It was New Year's Day 2023. 
that win pretty much got them into the tournament. That propelled them into the big dance. They didn't have a lot of marquee wins other than that. And now we've seen Illinois starting to turn this corner. Yes, they're just 13 and 12, but they're seven and eight now in the league. They're in position to get uh, at least a bye in the Big Ten tournament. They're starting to take shape a little bit. The offense has played better. The defense has been better. But that defense is going to get tested because next up you've got the Hawkeyes in Iowa City. That's a Sunday game at noon on FS1. So another nationally televised game. We know what Caitlin Clark's accomplished. She's the all-time leading scorer in NCAA women's history. You know, she's going to jack up shots. She's going to score a ton of points. She does everything. She's the best player in college basketball. Not going to be an easy task, especially in Carver Hawkeye Arena. So that's going to be the biggest test this Illini defense has had all year. I don't think you can go tit for tat with Iowa. You're going to have to find ways to make stops and hope that you can make shots. I mean, that's really all you can try to do. Because even a bad night for Caitlin Clark, she's going to get like 25. (laughs) I'll be very interested in that game. I'll have my focus squarely on that game Sunday. Again, in Iowa City, it's a noon central time tip on FS1. Illinois, again, beating Penn State. Beating Indiana. We know IU's going to be in the tournament. Penn State still has a chance to get there. Illinois makes a... If Illinois can... Notch a couple of upsets here. March will be interesting. I think the Big Ten is wide open after those first three teams. You've got Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana... Obviously, Illinois beating the Hoosiers helps those other two teams. And Iowa and Indiana still play each other yet. But after that, after those top three teams, it's very similar to the men's side. After those top three teams, it's just a big clump. And if Illinois can get on a bit of a run here, maybe they can get, you know, a five or a six seed or something and try to turn their season around. So very impressive win. A program victory for Shauna Green. You can read more about that win at thechampagneroom.com as well. Before wrapping up the show, I didn't want to spotlight the Illini of the week. A lot of the spring sports ramping up. Softball has begun its season. They got their first win of 2024 on Friday. A 5-1 victory over Liberty. Megan Ward, Addison Carol, Paige Berkmeyer, and Yazzie Avila, each with an RBI in that game. They followed up that performance on Friday with an 8-7 loss to Kansas. Illinois trailed 7-1 after the fourth inning and trailed 8-3 entering the seventh. So they were able to rally and make things interesting, ultimately falling to the Jayhawks. Addison Carroll, 3-4 for four in that matchup with an RBI, and Paige Berkmeyer, two for three with two RBIs and a walk. They will head to Cathedral City, California for the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. They'll start that event by taking on the Cal Golden Bears 
on Thursday. And baseball opened its season on Friday. They were in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, home of the number one Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Illinois splits a pair of games on Friday, taking down Akron 3-1 in their season opener, then lost 5-4 in 11 innings to the Zips. Then on Saturday, Illinois was able to beat Fordham by a score of 9-1. Prior to that, on Saturday, they did fall to number one, Wake Forest, 5-2. Freshman outfielder Cameron Chi Aloy had a really nice week. Went 4-for-13 with three home runs, six RBIs, six runs scored, and 13 total bases. Doesn't get any easier for Illini baseball. They'll head to the Myrtle Beach area, Conway, South Carolina, uh, they'll be at Coastal Carolina, then taking on Ball State and Cincinnati this weekend. Moving on to tennis, the Illini men ranked number 23. They took down Notre Dame 4-3 to on the women's side. They defeated Brown 4-1 to on the 17th and defeated Marshall 4-zip on the 18th. So a nice Weekend for Illini tennis as well. On the gymnastics side, women dropping a tough one, 196.95 to 196.85 to Minnesota at Huff Hall. That took place on Sunday. Abby Mueller in vaults, Mia Takakawa on bars, and uh, Rathuya Nataraj scoring victories in their events. Uh, women falling to seven and seven overall and one and four in Big Ten action. Moving to the pool now, Illini swimming and diving this weekend competing in Louisville. Sydney Stoll broke the program record. It was her own program record, finishing with a time of 55.68 seconds in the 100 individual medley. She also finished with a time of 54.27 seconds in the 100-meter butterfly. That was just 0.03 seconds off the Illinois program record. And Illini Wrestling wrapped up the regular season on Sunday, defeating Northwestern 21-20. It was tied at 20 apiece after all 10 matches. Danny Puccino scored a pin at 141 pounds. That was the tiebreaker. That was the only pin of the day. All the other victories on either side were by decision. There were no actual pins. So Danny Puccino got that, and that provided the tiebreaker and that match-winning point for the Fighting Illini. So Justin Cardani won at 125 pounds. 24th-ranked Tony Madrigal, victorious at 133. Chris Moore getting a victory at 165. 8th-ranked Edmund Ruth, victorious again at 174 pounds. And I mentioned Danny Puccino as well. He's the 25th-rated wrestler at 141 pounds. He secured the victory with his pinfall against the Wildcats. So... The regular season competition is done. 
The Big Ten Championships are next for Illinois Wrestling. That'll be March 9th and 10th. And that's going to do it for Oski Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can always catch prior episodes at thechampagneroom.com. You can also download and subscribe to Oski Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow The Champagne Room on socials as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are knocking out tons of Illini content for you each and every day. We appreciate your support. We appreciate the love. We'll have plenty more to discuss next week. I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL.